Hello, and welcome to Label Sessions Presents. Label Sessions is a global platform that connects you to the best advice for the most interesting people. Whether you want advice, mentoring, or ideas. I'm Josh Nixon, content producer for Label Sessions. And in this episode, Keisha Kijano talks to Dion Major. Dion is a self-proclaimed change agent, leading change and creating programs to bridge the gap between strategy and execution. Dion truly lives up to her proclamation with over 10 years of experience in business transformation. Over to Dion and Keisha. Um, first things first, I guess, could you please introduce yourself to the Label Sessions audience and share what you're best known for? Sure, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. My name is Dion Major. I am the founder of a company, a consulting organization called Inside Sales by Design. I've been in sales and tech for 25 years. I'm originally from the Midwest of the United States, so the Chicagoland area, so very common sense driven, very functional. Um, I live on the West Coast now of the United States, where it's a little bit not as that. But so it's a, it's a good balance of sunny and hey, let's let's chill and go to the beach and Midwest work ethic. So it's a lot of fun. And I think the other question is, what am I best known for? Is literally getting projects done. So when I was a practitioner and setting up teams, I would also get a lot of the special projects in just about darn near any company I was at because I was able to figure things out and get things moving and get people to work together. So, and I love that, right? It's it's a lot of what we are blessed to do in our work life now is all figure outable. And Sometimes we simply need a catalyst to kind of bring people together and galvanize a team. And that is what, I, what I've what i done as a practitioner. And now with my consultancy, it's the same thing. So when organizations are saying, hey, we really need to do X, Y, and Z and move something forward. When I come in and I've got, I've got some, some folks that come with me, we, we, uh, we come in and get things done. Wonderful. I guess with all of that and sort of bringing ideas to life and bridging the gap between executive visions and frontline execution. Um, why why do you think it goes wrong or kind of wonky for so many businesses when they're working through these kind of middle, messy middle bits from vision to execution? What goes wrong? Yeah, um, the messy middle bits is exactly what goes wrong. I love that phrase. I'm probably going to use it and I will cite you religiously on it. I think it's exactly that. So um, one of the things that was on my to-do list for a very long time was to write a book. And I finally wrote my book and it launched. And in that book, I gave this example. Here's what happens. Is um, This is a, a good example of what happens and where the messy middle bits comes in and the disconnect. My daughter is 14. I think she might have been 13 at the time. And she's putting makeup on. Right. So she's a she's a performer. She's going she's getting ready for a competition. She's putting makeup on. And I remember literally just a few months ago sitting there staring at her like, what are you doing? How are you putting that makeup on? What is going on? Because I didn't remember learning that particular skill. So I think sometimes for people that are in a position of leadership, right, or somebody who maybe just there's there's a thousand reasons that go into it, but basically is for whatever reason we forget learning that skill. We forget to look at somebody and really go, "Hey, you know what I'm saying as a leader isn't landing. Something's not right." We assume, which isn't bad, 
because we do want to give people the benefit of the doubt that the direction we're giving or the vision we're giving, we want to give everybody the autonomy and the agency to go and implement how they best see fit. The problem is, is that sometimes we're not giving people enough of the, hey, here's what good looks like. Here's the desired end state. Right. And so the messy middle bits is exactly what happens at the end of the day where it's, hey, let's let's develop a customer success team or let's do let's launch a new initiative with inside sales or a sales team initiative. As a leader, we need to say, hey, at the end of it, here's what we think good is going to look like. You execution team need to figure out the how as a leadership team. Our job is to determine the what and the why. Our execution team figures out the how because they should know their team better than we do. So I think when we get those mixed up, when we when we just paint this big vision and go, it's going to be amazing, you end up with something like the Hearst Castle that has stairways to nowhere and doors that open into brick walls versus saying, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here's what we think are the KPIs. We're not giving in people enough of the guardrails. That's what I've seen in working with organizations quite a few times. With that, I mean, many companies, it seems like they're, they're successful in spreading awareness of their unique value propositions to potential clients, but they, when they fail to do so with internal messaging within the company. Why, why do you think this happens? Again, I think we forget, right? It's the cobbler's kids have no shoes at the end of the day, meaning I'm going to go out and I'm going to do everything that's amazing for everybody else. It's kind of like your family, right? Like you're really nice to strangers, right? But you come home and you might be really mean to everybody inside your house. <laughs> so hopefully that's not you. You know, some days that's not me. Um, but I, I think it's one of those things like we forget. So when we write an onboarding playbook, for the teams that we work with, we always include in there like, hey, make sure you as the employee are following your company's LinkedIn page. You're subscribed to your company's blog, right? Um, we put things in place like um, for your team meetings. You darn well should. We highly recommend you invite people from other parts of the team. You know, we set up a system by which we say every three to six months, depending on your organization, you want to revisit the marketing messaging, right? And you want to go through an exercise where where sales teams, customer-facing teams are developing um, or, or reciting back, right? Really going deep on value props. Otherwise, we just forget about it. And we think, oh, they'll figure it out. Yeah, we don't live in a world where people figure stuff out anymore. We live in a world of no surprises. So um, I think we we forget, right? And I, I think people are, are trying to be nice about it. Um, because they don't want to maybe offend somebody, right? But I think being able to ask questions and prepare and say, hey, we, we think this is going to be a good idea, good exercise to go through. The goal is, we're kind of, we're back to setting the goal, right? How do you think we should go about doing that? I like that point that you made about people actually following the social media channels to know what's going on and, you know, what what kind of messaging is being put out. Like, I've never thought about that. Yeah, yeah, we, we do quite a bit of that. So there's that, that common sense piece because we forget, right? So um, we say use your personal email and sub subscribe to your company's blog or, or whatever your social media component they have, right? Um, because we just, we forget at the end of the day, Keisha. Like, we just, we forget to take interest in our own teams. <laughs> yeah, and company all hands don't do it justice. So going from talking about specific teams, looking at the company as a whole to 
within inter-team communication, um, many companies have a mix of kind of abstract thinkers. So that's like strategy, marketing, ideation, but also and they have thinkers that are kind of concrete types. So sales, engineering, that mix surely makes effective, like effective implementation of ideas quite hard. Could you talk more about how to go from these high-level abstract thinking ideas to a clear implementation plan that speaks to the, the concrete thinkers? Yeah, and that's that's a really great point. And th- I want to also say that that's a great question. It's also very needed, right? So sometimes um, people will say, oh, we're really tolerant. But a lot of times it's only t- we're only tolerant and it's very easy when people are just like us right? It's a lot harder when somebody goes, that's a great idea. What about dot, 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 right? And so I think one is we as people within an organization working on a team, we need to have some thick skin. We need to have a high level of self-awareness that says, what am I? Like, what's my type, right? I'm somebody who I can I can get really concrete on things, but I like the idea because I've been doing this for so long. Like I forgot how I learned how to do certain things. So I hear an idea and I just start go doing. Right. And so you have to have a high level of self-awareness, a high degree of humility, and you have to make sure everybody you kind of start by going around the room saying, hey, what's kind of your style? And then there has to be one or two people that can facilitate that those are the, they're Switzerland, right? They're the folks who are like, okay, so I hear you saying this. What do we think that means? How would we do it, right? So you kind of have to do the what, the why, the how. Who's responsible for the what? Who's responsible for the how? And who's responsible for the why, right? So you almost want to have a framework within your organization. I know that sounds really formal. It doesn't have to be formal. There just needs to be some sort of system by which you operate in that gives everybody that blessing to be themselves and know that we're going to get to where we need to be. But that painted vision needs to be shared, if that makes sense. Yeah, yes, definitely. Kind of with that, when you come in, how do you tailor your communication style to suit both? Or how do you train other people to tailor their communication style to suit both? Yeah, yeah. So so we do... um, a really good colleague of mine and, and friend always says real change happens one-on-one and there that's very true and so a lot of times you know w- when we when we work with organizations when we have an engagement we always share hey we're, we are going to have communication loops with your stakeholders that's your executive team right whoever is your executive stakeholder your functional business leader holders and then a cross-section of the team because that way, when you're having some of these conversations, a lot of that change starts happening organically, right? It's kind of like the telephone game, but it actually works. And so we, we do a lot of that way for myself and people on my team. Like we spend a lot of time um, reading, researching, and exercising internally different communication styles, right? So we practice on ourselves, number one. And then number two, we also talk about, okay, when we work with an organization, we say, here's we, we're creating a communication loop. Right. And then in meetings, we always talk about meetings are one to many communication. Right. Therapy is one on one. And so sometimes we will call ourselves some sometimes like the great sales translators at the end of the day, because maybe your VP of sales or sales director or even a frontline salesperson, they may not be comfortable looking at their boss or their manager or their leader and saying, I don't understand. 
And then the leader, again, may have not done the job this person is doing or they did and it looks very different than when they did it. So we do a lot of, okay, so are you aware of this person, da, 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 da. And they go, oh my gosh, I had no idea. So we come in and we're able to do a lot of one-to-many. We do a lot of one-on-one sessions. We do a lot of communication loops ourselves. We do a lot of one-to-many and then we do a lot of one-to-one. And we try to just keep it super simple. And it drives that, oh, now I get it. I see what this person is doing or we're going to make phone calls together or you're going to listen to recordings or here's a scorecard or a lot of times people in an organization don't hear the customer. So we do a lot of everybody up in one seat to the left or we're going to talk about a meeting and in the meeting, our agenda is to listen to three to five customer calls or these sections of it, right? So it's really about pressing into what is actually happening in reality at the street level. And that really raises a lot of awareness, which is really helpful. Do you find that so when you work with clients on that, do many of them come to you with, you know, their vision, their expectations already in line, and then you're just helping them with the cross-team communication? Or do you find that you're, you're often going back to step number one, like going through metrics, KPIs, strengths, weaknesses, financials? Absolutely. And it's it's ongoing, right? And so for us, we always said, when I first went to market, I said, we're not a consulting company. We're not going to come in and do four weeks worth of discovery. We're going to come in and start moving. And because if, if, if that's what I want, right? And so as other companies don't want that, and that's cool. There's There's plenty of organizations out there. But for us, we come in and we start moving. Within the first 45 days, we are getting playbooks out. We're talking with people. We're moving. We're grooving. And so to your point, it's an iterative thing because we want people to get used to change management. We want people to get used to a different verbiage, nomenclature, all that good stuff. And so the short answer is yes. And the longer answer is we come in, we talk about what is your vision? Oh, we want to we want to go through digital transformation. And for us, we really specialize in going five questions deep on the how. How would you do that? What does that look like? How do you do that? What would that look like? <laughs> so so we really start operationalizing that and help guiding that executive through what they think that looks like, or maybe they heard something or whatever the case may be, right? And so we're not going to ask an executive to get tactical. That's not their job, right? But we want to understand what is their end goal so that we can go work with the team and then vice versa. Yeah, nice. If that makes that sense. That does make sense. As I like the bit that you said at the end about how it's and the vice versa part, essentially. And I think that's quite important. A lot of a thing that not a lot of people get, that it's kind of, it is a cycle that you need to have conversation. It's a two-way conversation. 100%, right? Just like the, you know, whoever, you know, maybe you've got a CRO sitting in a board meeting, right? That level of experience and those conversations are very different from your sales rep on a phone call or a Zoom call with somebody, depending on the nature of your sale. Right. And so that's where we want to make sure there's a level of understanding and it doesn't have to be deep. Right. But sometimes at a tactical level, we may we may have the wrong expectation. And that goes both ways. Right. And so we want to make sure that we have the right expectations. If I am making calls all day and trying to sell something, that's a very different motion than strategic growth plans at the end of the day that might encompass a couple hundred, couple thousand employees and millions of dollars. And neither one is better or worse. It's just a different pool that you're playing in. So the goal is to find the common ground and figure out, okay, 
what am I doing that this person needs to know and vice versa? And how do we start moving towards that shared vision together? And what am I bringing and what are you? Is there a single piece of advice you would give to leaders who are looking to, to bring teams together to, to ensure alignment with overarching goals? What's step number one? Know that you're going to fail. So people literally hear 7% of, of what they're told. And it's something crazy, like 58%. We just had a webinar on it where um, Paula White was talking about the communication statistics. We had Nicole Constantino talking about a few other components where employees, greater than 50% of employees, don't feel like they are effectively communicated with. Like 88%. It's staggering. So as an executive, just, just know that you're probably not going to get it. And people want to hear from you. And they want that vision. And they want to be able to follow. They want to get on a moving train. You got to really go three layers deep on your planning and say, great, how are we going to operationalize this? I was just talking with an organization and they said, okay, great. We just went through all these acquisitions. You know, they've been in one business for a very long time. Their sales teams have been there for a very long time. And the CEO came up and said, we are now a professional services organization. And there was no plan behind it through no fault of any. And we've all been there, right? I don't say that to put somebody down. I say that we're kind of back to having a level of self-awareness, right? But there was a lot of hey, that's great, but I don't make money that way. So you have to know that there's a huge disconnect. We're in a change management function. You got people that are scared. You've got fear, which fear stands for false expectations appearing real. So we're back to expectations, right? So now if I just announce a new direction and I have nothing to back it up, I have no operationalized plan to back it up. I have a sales team that's going to ignore me because they need to feed their family, and that's what they care about. So to your point, if when we start talking with people like, yeah, we're going to change directions, we're going to start moving and da, 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 da. I'm like, great, what's your plan? And they're nine times out of 10, is it one? And we help them with that, right? And just be very clear, very candid, like, no, you're going to fail. No, it's going to be hard. It's a three-year journey of being able to change because you're going to change comp plans every six months. And oh, by the way, sales is not the tip of the spear. Sales goes to market after all the work has been done to operationalize, after the CEO and the board have a new direction, after product marketing did their fit, after marketing did their research, after, after, after. Then you have sales and you might have an outsourced SDR team. You might have a hundred things that go and test that new product or service in your market, right? That's why it is a slow go and nobody likes that answer either. Right. But we we know that the world is noisy. We know that there's a lot going on. We know the rules just changed with all of the sending going out. Right. So we have to be personalized. Emails are going to get blocked and all that jazz. Right. So there are things that we need to do as organizations to really maintain a high level of integrity and class and sophistication when we are going through these motions. But anytime an executive or a sales leader says, hey, my company wants to do X, I'm like, great, let's go talk to your board because this is a big deal. And I've had leaders tell me, I can't tell my board that. And I'm like, okay, but then you're gonna be in trouble, not to sound like you're five, 
right? But somebody has to tell some the, the board, the executive, the truth at the end of the day. Like, here's really what's going to happen. It's not even truth, it's reality. So that's a very long answer to a very simple question, but there's a lot that goes into it. If you're a startup, it might be a little bit easier. If you're a larger organization, you know, you're going to want to take some of this little by little, bit by bit, right? But you cannot turn the proverbial Titanic in six months without some really, really good communication. So that's what makes it hard. This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast, for live sessions of advice, mentoring, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team. Do you think that there's almost a difference within this or in the behavior aspect between startups and starting something from scratch and then doing like a brand 180 or completely changing something is there differences in that or is the process still the same i think the process is still the same it's just bigger and more pieces and more people right if you're going to go through a rebranding you're probably going to start having some more resources right you might have some marketing folks you're going to have some pr folks you're going to have you're going to have more resources at the end of the day right but that effort of still getting everybody on the same page is there and then execute that's hard execution is where it all happens so it's getting that kind of that yeah communication that message crystal clear for every single person in the organization yeah and and it's to that point we always share with people it's not that you all have to say the same thing it's that when we are going to market for the first time or even going through rebranding, it's really making sure that our team, if they're representing our company, we want everybody who's out there interacting with the community to leave the same feel. At this company, we care about delighting our customers. Then every single interaction needs to be that. And we need to make that okay for people. And so we were people, because people ask me, they go, Deanch and my team have scripts. Yes, because you can make a game out of it. You can make it fun, right? And that's, you have to make it fun. Um, and so we'll, we're like, yeah, let's, let's craft scripts, right? Let's get everybody into a room. What do we do? How do we do it? What are we known for, right? All that good stuff. And yeah, we still like to get people together because you develop a really great synergy, right? You have all five or six senses, depending on what you believe, clicking off. It's amazing, right? Um, and you you kind of do the script reading and then you kind of, then as you go through it, then you start ad-libbing a little bit, right? So we always tell, I always tell people, I say, listen, you know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And when Ruby, whatever came out, seven, nine, I lost track at this point, so much for being a big fan, right? Um, but when when nine came out and they showed the cast literally doing a table reading where everybody sits down and they have the script and they literally do a table read line by line of the script these are people that have 25 years of experience but the reason they're doing a table read is to get the gist of the script what did the writers want what does the director want right the director's there the cast right that's the vision and that's when you are doing a table read like that 
your executive stakeholder needs to be there. Your marketing person needs to be there. Product marketing, right? Then as you go through that, your sales team and anybody else who's customer facing, that message can evolve as long as the feeling is the same. But then you then you come back and you go, every three weeks, we're going to get a customer call. We're going to get a client call. We're going to actually hear the, how this works. So we want to hear the voice of the customer. That's the magic. That's the fun. Wow. Brilliant. That's absolutely yeah. What great kind of, throughout this whole talk, what great bits of like golden nuggets of advice that you've given. Um, so that part, thank you. Um, for the, almost the next part, a lot of our audience wants to get to know you as kind of as a as not just an advisor but just kind of how you are so we've come up with a few quick fire questions to ask about wool um because we've heard a lot about your advice and now we just kind of we want to get a bit of an insight about who was dion so yeah i guess quick fire question number one we'll dive straight in um if you had to be shipwrecked on a, des a deserted island um but all your human needs so like food and water that they're, they're all taken care of magically uh, aside from the basic needs, what two items would you want to have with you? I would want to have, for sure, well, part of me wants to say my two kids, but I'm not going to shipwreck them because <laughs> that's me. <laughs> um, I would definitely want to have access to a podcast list, for sure, and probably a library. So every so often you, a plane comes, but it just drops over books and like um, an MP3 yeah. with a good podcast series on. Yeah. Yeah. And some sunscreen. Oh, favorite. yeah. Yeah. Important. Important. SPS. I love that. Next question. Um, who is someone that you look up to? All, all the ladies in the Bible, right? So I'm a huge fan of the Esther story because I think it's, that was, that story is incredibly brave right, to go and try to save somebody and be courageous, man, that's that's a good one. And I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown with that too, of like just being able to own and speak out your truths and have clear boundaries. So I didn't know you could do that until I was older. And I was like, boundaries are amazing. They're awesome. So huge fan. So I would say, um, I, I know you said just who do I look up to? It might have been a singular, but man, there's there's a lot there for sure. I think it's so important as well, especially the last point you said about setting those boundaries. It's yeah, it's such an important thing that everyone should learn how to do from when they're hundred percent small. Until yeah, yeah. I always say, you know, good fences make good neighbors, and good boundaries make good relationships, right? And um, it's it's and it's it's what will we tolerate and not tolerate, and how should we behave with the people we know, love, like, and trust, and work with? Yeah. At the time of recording, it's coming up to Thanksgiving and I guess Black Friday. Um, so the question was, what was your last impulse buy? But I guess if you want to switch up to what are you looking forward to buy, maybe perhaps on Black Friday. Next question. What is your mantra in life? There is always a solution. God bless Star Trek. You might not like it, but there's always a solution. Next one. Uh, what do you think is overhyped right now? And is there anything that you think is interesting but isn't being picked up by the mainstream? Overhyped right now? Well, the market kind of corrected itself, right? The whole SaaS unicorn growth with it was all smoke and mirrors. And that's been like that for a while. I've just been in tech, right? So I think that, I think, um, I think um, 
smoke and mirrors over substance is totally overhype. And that's part of my own upbringing um, as well. And so I conversely to that is I think that whole accountability, have a plan, operationalize is is starting to, to be a thing and and come in vogue, right? And so to that point, a lot of what we do now is when we talk with people, we say we create programs for you. We create programs that work because that's what we believe in. And we believe in making sure your people have lines on the road to drive with them because they're going to be your greatest ever. Because we love people. So, yeah, longer answer, but yeah. Definitely we're, we're form over function or we're function over form yeah, people exactly. quite a bit. So it's nice to see that balance is coming. In. Wonderful. Wonderful. A question, the next one is one that I enjoy asking because it gets kind of a little bit of a, a tap into where your mind is at currently. Um, if you are a benevolent dictator, what would your first order be? And this might this might rub some folks the wrong way, but I would think it it would it wouldn't be the draft again, but it would be a mandatory two years of service, like U.S. Job Aid, U.S. Peace Corps, right? Because I think we've gotten so far away from the joys of what it means to serve and to give. And we get so much out of giving and it helps us to see other people. So maybe it wouldn't be that exact thing, but it would definitely be something with you got to get in and volunteer somewhere. Right. Um, I'm going to take a few minutes and tell this story really quick. So we have a, we fly an American flag outside our house. My family was all military. I choose to honor my country and all the good things it can stand for because I think as a people, we can bring that and we can show up that way. All the good things. And so we replaced and we live in Southern California in the States and anywhere that has sun, right? It bleaches things out. And so we replaced their flag every year. And um, now there are rules for every flag. I'm sure there are rules for every flag of every country, but in the US, you cannot one, your flag shouldn't hit the ground, and you can't just throw it away. It's it's sacrilegious, right? It's disrespectful. Um, so I'd be curious to hear from everybody, like, what are those rules in other countries? And so it, here we can take it to the fire station and a local fire station, and they will take it. And we've got something here called the Boy Scouts, and the Boy Scouts, they burn the flag, right? So there's a way that you can go ahead and, and dispose of your flag appropriately. So I go to the fire station. I'm running errands. And I go to the fire station and the door is locked. I ring the bell, but there was a, a firefighter in the Bay Area. And he comes over and he goes, can I help you? And I said, might seem odd, but I've got a, a flag. I've got to retire. And he's like, nope, got it. Boy Scouts will take care of it. They'll burn it. Good. I'm walking back to my car and two firefighters come walking quickly out the front door. And they're like, hey, 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 can, can we help you? And I was like, oh. Uh, I'm good. This gentleman like, took the flag to retire it, right? My takeaway, though, was firefighters serve, right? Like, they are a first responder. They run into the burning building. And they didn't know what I needed, right? So I am some person who shows up at their door ringing a doorbell. They are servants, right? They That's what they do. They serve our community, and they were making sure I was okay. And I was like, that is so cool. 
Like they weren't, they could have turned around because a gentleman was just walking away, but they were both sitting there like, hey, are you okay? Can we help you? And I think our world would be such a better place if more of us were like that. And I don't think you need to be a firefighter to do it. I think it started off with something that very like you started off with, oh, I guess it was this. But then it it turned into something that's so much more than just kind of, oh, you need to learn how to serve. It's like the reasons for it can kind of affect anyone in your entire life. It's not just the fact that you're like, oh, you should have respect for people who do serve. But it's actually not like, no, you could be serving anyone. Absolutely. I, I My son is 12. And when we go somewhere, if there's somebody ahead of us, I don't care who it is. He holds the door for them. And I've had somebody tell me like, oh, no, he doesn't have to do that. I go, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Because this is those small acts of giving back and serving and going above and beyond just make a world of difference, right? You don't know who you're affecting or impacting that day. And it teaches my kids how to give, right? And we do that too in our business. Like how, what else can we do? How do we do it? Every project we do, we we donate 10% to our clients' charity of choice, right? Because there's we believe in a law of abundance. Like you said, it's those small things. It all adds up. It, all, it, it makes a difference and people do notice it. So 100%. Total agreement. We've come to our last question, and it's a bit odd going from the the question we had before, and we turned that into a discussion to our the last question. But it's something that we ask each one of our guests here on the podcast. Um, so, Dion, on a scale of one to ten, how weird are you? <laughs> I think it depends on who you ask. I would probably say I'm I'm probably I feel like I'm an eight. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I'm pretty quick witted. I don't take a lot of things super seriously. Somebody could, will come up to me and say, so, and I go, a needle pulling thread. <laughs> if you know the Dory Me song from The Sound of Music. <laughs> so we, we, that's just me. Like, just, yeah, that would be my take. I, I might wrong. do that next time. I like that. So, yes. <laughs> you should. Keeps things interesting. For sure. For sure. Um, well, thank you so so much for everything um i love the talk that we've had i love the advice you've given yes thank you for having me i appreciate it so concludes another episode of label sessions presents be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast no matter your platform of choice and of course start your journey today with us at labelsessions.com